I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. And I am so tired right now, but I'm not complaining. It's a good tired. This past weekend was the West Edge Design Fair, and once again, Troy Hansen and Megan Riley have outdone themselves. I've been so fortunate to be associated with Troy and Megan at West Edge. This is my favorite design event, really, because as Troy and Megan have called it, the quote-unquote anti-trade show. Not that shows for the trade are bad, they're, they're great. This one is presented differently. And having worked with them for so many years, I know that they try to give their attendees something new and different every year. And this year was no different. They, they certainly delivered. In that spirit, I wanted to do something unique as well. And for Convo by Design, presented by Snyder Diamond, this was a huge endeavor. We were the presenting partners for the programming lounge. And there were really two sides to this. The programming side and the design side. For the design side, I turned to a trusted friend and incredible talent, Julia Wong of Julia Wong Designs. Julia did something fantastic with this space. And not the least of which was collaborating with me to create a custom podcast desk that is completely mobile, dripping with luxury detail, and designed for podcasters, YouTubers, home office communications, as well as a great place for family-based digital communications in a clean space with hidden wires and enough room for the whole family or team. So it was really cool. And it's also now available for purchase with a ton of customized details for whatever you're looking for for your team or home office. For information, email the show, convobydesign at outlook.com and reference podcast desk in the subject line. Okay, so this episode is special. It's a kickoff from the event and features the first conversation of the event featuring acclaimed designer Lori Dennis, Nicholas Gawith of Publicis Sapient, and Yvette Serrano of Lamps Plus. We talked about brand development for creatives. I wanted this group to cover the topic from the single designer to that of a global brand, and this group delivered. After the stage segment ended, we broke up into groups and audience members became participants in a workshop with the panelists. It was, it was really special. Thank you to West Edge Design Fair for allowing me the latitude to experiment a little bit this year. Thank you to ASID uh, Los Angeles for presenting this conversation. Thank you to Snyder Diamond for presenting Convo by Design. And thank you to Lori, Nick, Yvette for their time and insights. And a huge thank you to you for listening, as well as to those who came to West Edge Design Fair and participated in the events in the programming lounge presented by Convo by Design. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or the podcast platform where you find the show. And make sure to check out the YouTube channel where you can see video from many of your favorite episodes, including this one where you'll see uh, the programming lounge as designed by Julia Wong. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond and has been since episode number one. Snyder Diamond is always first with what's next in the kitchen and bath. That's the philosophy of second-generation president Russ Diamond. He travels the world looking for the appliances, fixtures, and finishes for the kitchen and bath that allow designers and architects to create amazing spaces for their clients. Products like those from Mila. I recently toured the Mila showroom and was stunned, really, by all of the amazing products that Mila has to offer, from coffee machines to ovens, ranges, hoods, Combus steam ovens, washers, dryers, dishwashers, 
all made with that Immer Besser philosophy hard-coded into the very DNA of this family-owned and operated company since their founding in 1899. Miele products are made to serve and built to last. They possess the form and function you expect, and they were created with the future in mind. The technology integrated into these appliances, remarkable, and they were designed to work seamlessly together, all to make life that much easier. Now, combine this world-class product with the standard bearer in customer service. Snyder Diamond Service is here for you, and you have a powerful partnership. Find out more at any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond showrooms and check out some fantastic limited time offers and promotions from Mila while you're there. You can also learn more at SnyderDiamond.com. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Is everyone properly caffeinated? Ready to go? Okay. First of all, I, I just want to start off by thanking you very much for coming this morning. Welcome to West Edge 2018. Really excited. Um, for those not familiar, I'm Josh Cooperman. I host and produce Convo by Design podcast and YouTube channel. We're, we're a media company, and we serve you, the interior design and architecture space. Um, I've been working with Troy and Megan here at West Edge. This is my fourth year, um, and every year we try to do something new. Incredibly proud this year to be presenting the uh, programming lounge. It's, uh, it's designed by Julia Wong, um, and you'll find hopefully little touches here and there. Uh, Lamps Plus is a partner as well. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to introduce my guests in a minute. I just I wanted to start off with the purpose of this particular conversation. You guys are really busy, right? You have a lot of things to do. During the five years of the podcast, I talked to designers and architects. And as busy as you are between getting new work, working with the clients you have, specking new products, invoicing, working within the office, handling fires, you handle a lot of fires, by the way. Um, you don't have a lot of time to focus on the brand development. Not the work, but the brand development, the, the who you are um, as, as a brand. And all of you are brands. So one of the things that I wanted to do this year is I wanted to introduce you to some people that I think can help you um, and provide some insight. So the purpose of this conversation is we're gonna talk about branding from a single proprietor, uh, designer or architect up to a global brand. And I wanna, first of all, thank the guests uh, that we have here for coming and I wanna introduce you to them. Um, First up is Lori Dennis. So Lori is a speaker, best-selling author, and star of HGTV's The Real Designing Women. Her firm specializes in luxury, high-end interior architecture, and healthy living. Lori has been on the podcast a couple of times. We've known each other for years, and I, I absolutely love talking to her, and I, I think you're going to like hearing what she has to say. Um, opposite... Uh, Lori is Yvette Serrano. Yvette is uh, Senior Public Relations and Social Media Manager for Lamps Plus, the nation's largest specialty lighting retailer. She oversees influencer marketing, social media, charity partnerships, events, and TV production, uh, TV product integration, rather. And next to her, we've got um, Nick Goweth. Nick is VP and Senior Group Creative Director at Publicis Sapiens LA office serves as the creative lead for one of its largest accounts, which is Samsung, um, 
With more than 15 years of creative leadership experience, he provides strategic creative art and design direction to the agency across brand and commerce capabilities. So what we have here is three people who handle brands in a very different way. So welcome, thank you guys for coming out. Um, Lori, I wanna start this off. Lori, you and I have, have spoken on numerous occasions and I love your story. And I'm hoping that, you know, having shared it with me, you can share it with them that design was not your first career. And so when you approached that business, it was a passion, a love of yours, sort of how you approached it with, with a brand first mentality. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to sit next to these guys, too, because I'm always learning. So um, if you have any questions about anything and, and it's unclear, you can definitely get in touch with me, lauridennis.com, and, um, and I'll be happy to go into it further because we have so much time here. But I was in finance first, and I found that every single dime that I had was going into buying single-family homes and apartment buildings and renovating them, and that was truly my love my entire life. So when I decided I was going to take the leap and become an interior designer, I went and decided to differentiate myself by going to school and actually getting a degree. Don't know if you need it or not, but um, <laughs> in, in the end, um, from UCLA. And um, then I thought, okay, there's, I don't know, maybe 2,500 interior designers who are pretty darn qualified and talented in the Los Angeles area at that time. Um, maybe more. How do I differentiate myself? So the first thing I did to come at it from a brand perspective is pick something that was unique and authentic to me, which was um, a story about longevity and sustainability. And um, I decided that that would be my platform and how I was going to be special, unique, and different from everyone else. And um, so our brand is all about sustainability and longevity. And these are threads that run throughout our interior design, construction, and media businesses. Everything, um, or, or I would say the most paramount thing in our business is respect for the environment and human health and everything that we either build, uh, sell, buy, or reuse of people um, in their environments is something that is of quality and value and is meant to last. And then everything in our business supports that message. We wrote a book called Green Interior Design to make ourselves the category killer. We do a lot of video for film and television. We speak in public events and on panels like this. We have other people writing about us. We take all of that information, we document it, and then we recirculate it across all social. Before it wasn't social, before it was how you would put your, you know, when I got started, a, a package together and send it off to editors. They were the the people who would just, the gatekeepers who would decide who got to see what about you. And make sure that every single thing that you put out there speaks back to the brand, the longevity and the sustainability and who we are. And I, I think part of that, and this is why it's sort of a good transition, is Lori is also a brand ambassador for Lamps Plus. And it's a great partnership, it's a great program. So Yvette, I'm, I'm just curious, from your perspective and that of a major retailer, what, is, what do you try to do to integrate and engage with the design community? And how does, how does that work with the brand as, as a brand itself? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you try to represent the, the design industry working with individual influencers? Hi everyone. So that's a good question. Um, we have 
Specifically, we have our pros program. That's our trade program that is specifically for interior designers, contractors, builders. Um, and so that's really our biggest way where we are an asset and a resource to interior designers. On the branding side, like you said, we do have all these partnerships. We're a sponsor here at West Edge. Um, we have brand ambassadors like Lori um, who are out in the community, have their ears on the ground and are knowing what, what is trending. Um, they can come back and help us be more relevant to what the consumers want to see. And as a retailer, that's always an issue because how are we connecting with all these different segments and all these different audiences? So we really need to have the insights of people who are actually doing the interior design and are out there and using our products, right? Um, Lori has so many projects where she's done homes of all sizes with our product, um, and that's great to see. And for us, we turn that back into tips. We turn that back into videos. If you go to lampsplus.com, you'll see a buying guide in every single category. We take the actual data from our customers on our website, and we make videos for you to understand. And so if you're having a client who is asking you questions, it's very easy to come to the site and pull that data. And so it's kind of 360, as you said. As a brand, we pull in brand ambassadors, we pull in our data, um, and we try to go out and have this design for all mentality. And I think from there, you know, Nick, it's interesting for you at, at Sapien Razorfish, your, your client that you have the most engagement with is, is Samsung. I would imagine there's, there's a lot of layers, but at the same time, the, the goal is still the same. How do you approach it? Yeah, it's... Hello? Yes. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And it's, first of all, it's great to be here because I feel like a bit of an outsider in this audience because I'm, um, I'm, not from, I'm a graphic designer by background, um, so it's really nice to be in this space. So thank you for having me here. Um, and um, yeah, it's really it's, it's cool to be listening to... to, 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 to my co-panelists here because the, the interesting thing to me about where brand branding and self-branding is heading these days is that it's become almost the, the pursuit of the individual um, you know so I work with with you know I've worked with Samsung right now but we work with with um, all sorts of different brands that are kind of you know FTSE 100 companies and the if you think about all the tools that are out there that can help us um, you know brand ourselves or our, our entities they're really, most of them are designed for individuals, right? Like most of them, most of those tools out there are for each of, our, each of us to communicate more effectively with one, with one another and have a conversation. At a company like Samsung, that's, that's incredibly layered, you know, to just, just the control of the Samsung Instagram account is an extraordinary undertaking, you know, involving multiple people across multiple geographies with multiple responsibilities. So uh, it's super cool that, um, you know, we, we, we have these tools now that enable us to kind of communicate on a much more one-to-one -one basis. Um, my, my position on, on, on branding and where, and where it's going um, from, from the perspective of a, a, you know, working at a large agency is that um, I got into it because I, I was sort of almost bored and, and tired of advertising. And, and I guess like looking at the audience here, um, it feels like, you know, you, many of you guys, most of you guys are part of this generation of people who are kind of just like, basically, 
don't trust adverts anymore. And I, and I, you know, and, and, and I feel like I came into, into the agency world feeling the same way. Um, and, um, and so advertising has become this, this thing where it's like, it's become almost disingenuous, right? You know, where you're trying to communicate a message in a really emotional way a lot of the time to get someone to buy something or change the behavior. Um, where what we've started to realize and what, what I get really excited about um, in what I do is, is, is actually engaging with people um, in their space. So meaning um, creating experiences that are, in, are valuable to them or in service of them um, that are purposeful. So like my, my favorite example that I, I bring out is like I've always loved is like uh, Lowe's six second fixes. I don't know if you guys have seen that out there, but like Lowe's, you know, their, their, their Vine account, um, God bless Vine, um, they, um, they, they created an, a, a, a six second fixes where they'd show you how to take the paint off a paintbrush in six seconds. Um, and that was a service to people. You know, it's a, it's a valuable piece of service that actually is purposeful. Very different to a lot of the advertising out there and a lot of, I think, what happens in social media, which is just people posting things that are beautiful or interesting that are quite self-involved. Um, so I think I really get excited about adding purpose to, to, to the way we communicate and the way we engage because you know, ultimately, you know, if you can help someone do something, then you create a much more compelling engagement with them than if you, if you share something that is you know, maybe beautiful but fleeting. I think that's great. It's, it's also, you, you remind me too of a point that I wanted to bring up because as busy as we are and we all look at, how do we, how do we spread the word, right? What, let's talk about advertising. Everyone here, we all have Samsung's budget to advertise, right? Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's tough, but even you know, for that company with that brand, they're competing against others that have similar assets and similar war chests. So you know, the question is, how do we differentiate? And I think advertising has become, we don't, we don't really trust it the way that we did, to your point. So we look at social media, and I, for one, I'll tell you personally, and I want your take on this too, is I am incredibly frustrated with social media. Um, in years of researching social, here's the deal, right? We, we look at our profile, we look at how many followers we have, we look at the engagement that we get, and it is in no way, shape, or form representative of the amount of followers we have. So it's kind of like, well, if they're, if they're followers, why aren't they engaged with us? Why don't we have that two-way conversation? That's what, that's what social media was supposed to do. So what you find is you put something out there, and here's what happens. You'll get a couple of comments representative to the number of followers you have, and every one of those comments will generally have three to four emojis, or great, beautiful, pretty. That's, is that engagement? So how, what is meaningful engagement? And as, as branders, what is, meaningful, what is meaningful engagement to you? Well, I don't want everybody to get all upset about how many followers people have and how many likes they get and how many people respond because I'll let you know that unless you're um, Kim Kardashian, they're all fake. A lot of them are fake. People buy them. It's really easy to up your numbers and your comments and your engagement. So. Don't pay attention to any of that. I think that it's better to have 50 people who really care about what you're doing and are engaged in what you're doing and engage with you offline or really give you more than just a smiley face than 800,000 people who really don't care and are not going to 
do anything for you and you're not going to do anything for them outside of them just scrolling through quickly and tapping. Um, so, you know, and don't get upset that people don't engage either because not everybody is, you know, you might be the kind of person who likes to be on stage and share your message and other people just, they don't, they just want to watch. So you could have a lot more engagement than you actually think you do. Um, and that could result in things where people never made a comment and never liked anything, but then they hire you for a project, which has happened to me. And you're like, whoa, you're watching me? And they're like, we're all watching you. And that was um, the Vintage Club. It's the number one uh, private club in, in North America. They're in Palm Springs. And they hired us to come do their project. They have 500 members who are, like, one of them is, uh, what's his name, Bill Gates. And um, so don't worry so much if they're having a conversation with you. I love what you've said, and I think I'm going to change uh, the way that I'm doing things and, and maybe stop talking so much about what I'm doing and about how, the, how I can help others. That's such, see, I told you I would learn from these people. <laughs> um, and, and offer some more six-second ideas for people to learn more. Um, so I think if you're doing that, you are really engaging. You're just, they're just not um, maybe taking the time to express themselves and put themselves out there as much. Um, and then you probably will notice that the more popular you get, people will have, excuse me, negative engagement with you. So you'll get more, more people like to give bad reviews than good reviews. I don't know why our culture is like that, but it just is. Just be authentic, be real, put out there what you want the world to see, curate your own message. Here's your chance to be your own editor-in-chief. We never had this before social media. It's a pain in the ass. It takes a lot of time. It's like, oh, now I got to do this too. But it's your chance to be your own editor and share your very special message and none of the garbage you don't want people to see and just do it. And if they engage, great. And if they don't, don't worry about it. That's my message about engagement. I, I, think, that's, I think that's awesome. And Nick, just for a second, um, back to you with regard to the social. So you're creating campaigns and then you're sort of looking at the company to, to push the campaigns and, and to get that engagement, to measure the engagement, to respond back to you. In your experience, you know, what is, what is working? What is not working? What have you seen that's trending that you think has greater potential with regard? Because like, I think that, that six second example is, is brilliant. It's genius. What else do you see? I mean, I'm going to kind of say what Laurie, Laurie already said, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that... Um, it, it, it comes back to like what is successful for you. So if you have a really clear purpose and a niche that is all you and that's what you do, then do that. And you may get, you may get not that much, much engagement, but you, the people you will engage with are, you know, will be you know, eye to eye with, with who you are and what you do. Um, an example of that, I mean, we, we worked for Lululemon uh, many years ago. Um, when they were kind of going from being a billion dollar company to a five billion dollar company that they are now, right? And which is insane. And, and, and they, you know, the whole company is populated by people who are incredibly enthusiastic. If you walk into a Lululemon store, right? Like the, this customer service is extraordinary. And the, and the people you meet are incredibly positive and, 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 and forward and love the brand. And, and the people that buy Lululemon are the same as well. They are also incredibly passionate about the brand and excited. So they have a ton of followers, a ton of people who are watching what they're doing. Um, but they didn't have that much engagement going on, you know, outside of the store because people just like, I like the brand, but that's it, you know. So the the thing that um, was really interesting with them is that they were just because they were so enthusiastic about, you know, 
the brand and working there, they used to post all sorts of stuff that was, you know, maybe interesting, but not focused on what they, on what they did. So they, you know, we, we, I remember they had like a bunch of recipes for chicken broth right, on the website. And it's like, who comes to Lululemon to look for chicken broth recipes? Does anyone? I mean, maybe. Maybe people that work there, I don't know. I don't know how popular chicken broth is in Vancouver. But, um, you know, it, that's a great example, I think, of where you're kind of, you've got to, like, stay true to who you are, whether you're a $5 billion company or a one-person entity, um, and, and be very purposeful about what you put out there. And I think, to answer your question about what works, I think it then is about exploring... You know, that's the other great thing about all the channels we have available to us now is you can experiment, you know. And, you know, I think sometimes people are fearful of that because, you know, they're worried about, troll, you know, like backlash and stuff. But honestly, like, just, just put things out there. I mean, we, we do that all the time. Um, we do lots of, we have lots of relationships where we, we post all the, all the time for companies. Um, and um, we just explore things. And some things fail spectacularly, but some things you find, you know, it's like, it's like working on a comedy routine. Some jokes aren't going to land, but if you, if you change it slightly to the left or the right, then it, oh, actually, you might work for this audience. So um, that's, what, that's what we do. It's no different, to, I think, to anyone else, but always on purpose. And sometimes a spectacular failure can be remarkable. Um, something that you both have talked about thus far, which I think is awesome, is the concept of authenticity. Yvette, as big as Lamps Plus is as a brand, as many SKUs as you have, what, what is the authentic nature of the brand? Because ultimately it comes down to one thing, right? So how does, how does the brand identify itself? And if it's sort of the concept of if you had just met someone for the first time from another country who doesn't, who doesn't know what Lamps Plus is, in explaining it to them, which of course everything else sort of shoots off of that, the authentic nature of the brand, who is Lamps Plus and how do you, how do you come up with that idea? And does, does that change for you? So one of the things that I was thinking about while Nick and Lori were speaking was with social media, you, it can be very overwhelming. There's so many platforms and even as a brand, we have a team and sometimes we're overwhelmed as to what channel. So you have to take a step back and be authentic to who your identity is, right? And that's brand identity is what you are trying to convey. It's very different from your brand image. So take a step back, see what your key messages are, right? Everybody wants to have those three nuggets. For us, we're family owned, we design and manufacture our own product, and we've been around for over 40 years. You will see that over and over and over across all of our creative, on our social channels, and you can see it in the relationships we have as well. Um, the charities we partner with, the TV shows that we wanna be a part of. And so taking a step back and just knowing what those key messages are for you will kind of help you with that editorial calendar and say, specifically to Instagram, where you're looking at all these photos and you want your feed to look beautiful. Take a step back and say, what am I showing? Is every 12th photo a picture of my dog? And now I volunteer at a rescue mission. Now when people think of me, they say, Lori loves dogs. Or every 10th photo is you with your baby and you're a new mom. So you kind of can curate your channels to your interests, but also showing your identity. I think one, one thing to add to that as well, I think it's really important to, I think we've been talking so far about being true to who, who 
the, the, what the brand is and putting, us out, putting the brand out there or who you are as, a, as an individual out there. I think it's really important as well to think about who you're targeting. So, you know, I, we have like data scientists and analytics people and all of those people who are like, their full-time job is understanding the audience and like profiling them perfectly. But if you're a one-person entity, like the tools are out there, like Google Analytics is a great, is an amazing tool. Like there are things that for, even for the likes of me, who's you know, I'm actually really a technophobe, um, and like, but I can operate those tools and understand. And so, especially with social, like you can really, you know, go out there and understand who's looking at what, what you post and get real-time feedback. But moreover, I think it's like really, it's really important. Like one of the exercises we always do whether we're making something social or uh, other digital channels is to, is to really like develop personas around the audience we're going after. So persona meaning like literally you're creating an identity that you're going after. Who the, what, what's their name? Who are they? What are they interested in? What other channels are they on? What do they read? What do they watch on telly? Um, you know, all of those things that can help you put yourself in the audience's shoes because it's, you've got to remember it's a two-way thing. Otherwise we come back to kind of like advertising where it's like, you know, Nike has a great purpose Right, and like 20 years ago, their, their purpose was it's just you know one-to-many communication. Like Apple's Apple have kind of gone the same way. Like they, they actually have like a real issue today with like communicating one-to-one because they're really good good at doing one-to-many huge, beautiful TV spots. Right, but you've got to you've got to kind of come at it from the other way as well. Like think about who your who your audience is, really profile them and meet them where they are. Go to the places they're at so that you can um, you know engage with them more meaningfully. Let's explore that a, a little bit more because something that you've that you've heard so far, right? You've you've heard that you're—I don't want to say masters of your own domain—but you're publishers. You are. If you have social media, if you have a website, if you have any content that you push at all, guess what? You're a publisher. What any publisher will tell you, and, and I can tell you this from experience, is you have to have an editorial calendar. You have to have a plan. You have to decide, otherwise it's just a series of beautiful pictures, one after the other, and you're not really telling your story, you're telling somebody else's story. So I think for me in my own experience, quality editorial, the, the editorial that I've received the most, the most in numbers, the greatest in quality of engagement, has come from moments. It's moments, it's things that have happened. And I'll, I'll tell you straight up, West Edge for me, I know, I've been working with Troy and Megan on West Edge every year for the last four years through Convo by Design. West Edge presents an opportunity for moments for the next three days for me. I will be, I encourage you, and it's not a plug, but I encourage you because I, I believe in what I'm saying, go to Convo by Design, download the podcast. Over the next two months, you'll be hearing conversations like this and others. These are my moments. These are the moments that I'm looking for. And I would encourage you as publishers as well because you are, to, to find those moments along those lines. From one, your, hmm? one, one thing to add to that yeah. as well. I just, I, I, it's interesting. Like Publishing is a really interesting word, I think. Like, and not to get too philosophical about it, but um, you know, I, I would also think about or encourage people to think about like, the idea of like, you're, not, you're not really a publisher, you're a participant. Right? Like, if you believe in a subject, like if you believe in sustainability, you know, Laurie has a great practice around that, like that's a conversation, right? So you are a participant in that conversation. Um, so be a participant and think of yourself like that. I think, you know, the idea of publishing is in a way, and, you know, maybe controversial, but I think it's a little bit of an outdated term because it, it's a com you're a part of a conversation that's going on, 
you know, and, and, and that is increasingly the way that, that um, people are engaging with content and with media. Like, we're in this sort of post-truth era, right, where, like, anything you read or you hear, you can question it, and it may not even be true in the first place. So the idea of publishing as a sort of having intellectual capital that you used to have, you know, 10, 20 years ago is, is kind of disappearing for, for better or worse. And so I think it's more about, like, the, there's an interesting idea around, like, being a participant and engaging in a conversation that you believe in versus publishing your A to B kind of communication out there. Okay, but wait a second. Our first conflict, I love this. All right, so I don't disagree with you, but here's, here's a, just a different spin on it, right? I, I think that publishing is conversation with purpose. Otherwise, you know, you can have conversations and talk about things that you find interesting, but if you're not doing it with purpose, then you're, is it question, not statement, is it focused? So I guess I would, I would ask you guys, what is your approach to that? Are you publishers? You know, are you publishers and how do you approach the, the conversations with purpose and how do you identify, recognize, maybe even manufacture the moments from which you jump off? For Lamps Plus on our owned channels, those are, you know, our website, our catalog, our email, we really try to focus it back to the story we want to tell. And more and more now, as everyone is becoming an influencer, uh, we have to pay attention as to how we are being perceived. Um, so what we try to do is um, uh, we, we, sorry, we try to focus back on why we are doing things because people want that emotional connection. And I heard, I mean, I think a lot of you guys maybe have seen this TED talk about how people don't buy what you're selling. They buy why you're selling. And so on our feeds, we try to show that inspiration. We try to show um, how you can get beautiful lighting or how you can attain um, this look right within the lamps within the lamps plus forum uh, and that's been working for us and you brought something up earlier josh about testing we're always testing on our on our channels and it's important to see and and follow every time you make a slight change did it work did it not work for you um, Earlier in the year, everyone was telling us our creative team wanted to do pets and babies. We've never had any pets and babies. We've, we need a baby in our catalog. We need a pet. We need a dog. So this year, we tested pets and babies, and our engagement didn't do well. We actually, a lot of our posts bombed. So um, what did that tell us? We had to go back and evaluate our strategy. And even though all the pets and babies are so cute, that's not our audience. Our audience loves Lux Glam. We put two uh, crystal uh, table lamps on a mirrored uh, buffet table. Oh, they'll eat it up. 2,000 likes. We, you know, we'll put a, a cute puppy with a cute lamp. 200 likes. We, you know, so we gotta, we gotta be evolving on that. I, I think that that's incredibly valuable information. Um, because, you know, it's funny, I, I coach girls youth soccer, and I will tell the players all the time, go out and make every single mistake you can, just don't make the same one twice, right? And that's a very easy thing to say, and it's very difficult to follow, but I want to bring this back to the first thing that we started talking about today. You guys are busy. 
you're busy and doing things that don't turn into revenue for you are a waste of your time. And if you, one thing that I would love for you to leave with from here is if you do something on social or otherwise, have a mechanism in place for testing it. Because if you don't, you're not going to know if it worked or not. If you get a ton of likes, that's great. Did it turn into engagement? If you get paid on likes, then maybe that's, that works for you. But if you get likes and no other engagement, maybe it doesn't work for you. So I think that's, the, that's sort of the next thing I wanted to talk about is the mechanism and employment of, of testing and procedures. So, um, Lori, how do, you, how do you know if it works? You know, we, you had a question for us as well, and I don't know is the answer, truthfully. And um, it sounds like sometimes Lamps Plus, who has many more zeros in their budget for advertising than I do, sometimes doesn't know. And I bet Nick probably doesn't always know. It's just the question that you asked us was, how do you make a video go viral? And I have no idea. And how do you... Uh, how do you do the testing and, and know exactly what you're doing right and wrong? I have no idea. I'm not about hitting a home run. Again, I'm going to go back to my authenticity and to my brand. That's about longevity. I want to get singles every time. Slow and steady wins the race for me. If I keep on putting up information on my blog and doing interviews and making partnerships with people who care about the same things that I care about, and I keep promoting that stuff out on, this, on these social channels... I get people who hire me, and that's how I know I'm succeeding. Again, I don't care about the likes and the dislikes and the comments. and the, It's fun. I mean, you know, everybody has a little bit of an ego, but, but it all boils down to is, it, is, it, is business and revenue more this year than it was last year? And are the people responding and telling me? Like, I'll just ask people who I'm working with, you know, what do you guys think? Because they know everything. Like, you know, you also want to be careful about that with your brand. Like, don't be posting stuff you don't want people to know. Um, because, you know, they'll, that, that's, how, that's how I do it. But it's a much smaller scale for me, and I'm sure for many of you, um, with that testing method. Because, I, I, you know, I'm a tech-phobe, technophobe as well. And the analytics, like, okay, I can read them and I can see and I can see it's going up or down, but it's really hard for our team to sift through um, specifically what those analytics, like, we just don't do it that way. We're, it, we're just, it's very hard for us to understand that. And it really boils down to, are we doing more business this year than last year? And what are people saying about what we're doing? And just, I'm telling you, if, you're, if you can pick three things, three words if we don't have time for the workshop, that reflect what you're doing and what you want to portray and you just keep posting information that goes back to that brand identity and that those, those words that resonate with you, it, it's going to happen. And sometimes a post... You, you might think... Like, it's funny to, to talk about what works and what doesn't work. I'll post something. I'll think it's the best thing I literally have ever done in my life. And, I'll, and it'll be meaningful and it'll have value and... Nobody gives a shit, you know, and you're just like, wow, but you like this picture of that water bottle? Like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. But it doesn't matter because that's just one little moment, right? And all of the moments make our brand. So if like 99 of the moments are good and one of the moment is not and you can't figure out why, just I don't think you need to rack your brain with all that stuff at our level, uh, you know, at a, like, a, like a smaller level. You should think and take the advice of the big brands here but keep it real. I mean, you know, you have so many hours in a day and 
and you know, just keep it real. I think that's a great point, and it's it's funny. Do you guys remember when Twitter first came out? I hate to date myself, but when first when Twitter first came out, it became the place to look at sandwiches. It's like, oh, look at my sandwich. It's like, wow, where where'd you get that sandwich? What's in that sandwich? Is it is the sandwich good? And then afterwards, people were like, who cares? I'm I'm not hungry. Why do I care about a sandwich? But the point is that media, not just social media, but any media, any marketing, it's a moving target. And it's a moving target for you. And I'm going to keep going back to the same thing. I'm going to beat it into the ground. You guys are busy. And anything that you don't do that's generating revenue for you, you have to evaluate that by its, its own value and its own worth. Um, I want to jump off on something that, that Lori said. She talked about the workshop. Wanted to try to do something different with this. Because every time, I, like you, I've sat through a lot of panels. I've been in a lot of these. And sometimes I leave feeling like, I wish I had a chance to engage, but I don't want to be one of those people that asks the pedestrian question at the end that everyone goes, oh my god, why did they ask that? You know who those people are, you've seen them. Um, instead of doing that, but I want this to be meaningful and, and I want it to provide engagement and I want it to be something that you guys can leave and say, you know what? Here is, here's something that I left with in particular. We're gonna, we started a little bit late, so we're going to end a little bit late, and then we're going to go to a workshop. And by that workshop, I would love for you to stay and participate. It, it just simply means we're going to hop off the stage, we're going to go mix and mingle, we want to sort of try to, it's going to be a little unwieldy, but we want to try to break into you know, maybe four smaller groups and to talk to you about your brands. If you have questions about your brand, if you have ideas that you want to test off, not just us, but I want you also to introduce yourself to the person next to you. I want you to leave here with a new friend, but better than a new friend, I want, to, I want you to leave here with maybe somebody that you can work with in the future. Make a new connection here. That's what we're trying to do. So when we go to the workshop, um, you're not gonna miss anything else. Hopefully some of you will stick around and get something out of this. That being said, I wanna go back to the concept of authenticity and the, the brand statement, because it's so simple and it comes down to three things, right? So Nick, when, when, you're, when you're having that initial meeting with a new client, and even if it's somebody that's been around for a very long time, like a Samsung, or a, someone that was relatively new, like a Lululemon, how do you approach the concept of brand to make sure, because the work you do is built on that foundation. So you have to make sure that they're on point before you can deliver what they're asking you to deliver. How do you approach that and, and the concept of brand statement? And that's something that while we're talking, maybe you guys can think about your own brand statement and what your three things are so we can talk about it when we're done. But Nick, how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, it's quite, for us, a lot of, a lot of the time that is in place, you know, depending on who the client is, you know, like Samsung have, you know, reams and reams of material that I, I, like, tell, tells us who they are and, what, and, and why they exist. Um, but it's kind of interesting, oftentimes, um, kind of coming back to that point of like, they have, they, they're kind of, there's a bit of um, conflation between the idea of like communi communication tools and like, why do you exist? You know, so a lot of our clients have all the communication tools, so we say, oh, hey, how are you doing? Like, what, what material do you have that tells us about you? And they send us the brand guidelines. So that, that's, you know, what, what does your logo look like? Where can you not use the logo? What colors should you, you know, all of that good stuff. Which, but that, that, and that's great, but it doesn't tell us, like, why do you exist in the world? Like, what, like why, why do you, why, why are you, what's your purpose? Like, why, why, do you, why do I care, you know, about what you do? And a lot of the times it comes down to, well, you should care because we sell this thing. 
but I think increasingly it's flipping to like that, you know, bigger purpose behind what it is that you do. What, what, are you, what conversation are you participating in? So that's typically the first, if it's not in place, that's the first conversation we have. And um, people call it all sorts of different things, but what we try and come up with with our, with our clients in that instance is almost like an organizing idea, which is not something that would be, would face uh, customers or go out into the world, but it's just a kind of like almost the North Star by which everyone is aligned and, and rallied around um, in whatever we do, you know, because a lot of the times we do stuff that is behind the scenes, you know, like we change the way that businesses work, you know, and, and that also needs a North Star. I need something that you're all shooting for. Like, what is it that we're all doing together that, that um, changes, changes, you know, what we do outwardly? Um, and because it's no longer just about, you know, a TV spot or whatever it is that that involves a lot of different people who are sometimes got nothing to do with the, you know, Instagram feed or the, you know, Pinterest board or that they're, you know, back office people. So we have to have that kind of like purpose because it just influences everything that, that then goes out into the world um, and really codify that with our, with our clients. Can I ask a question to the audience? Yeah. How many of you in the audience feel very confident about your brand message and, and that what you're putting out into the world is what you're actually putting out into the world? Okay, almost no one. I mean, okay, like so I do, because maybe five. Congratulations to those of you. Because we're a podcast and people are going to be listening to this and not seeing it. What would you say about about five people raised your hands? Five in a room of a hundred. Five percent. That's great. So, do you want to know what the the difference is between um, the people who have it and the people who don't? It's just merely sitting down and writing those things that matter to you, and then deciding to put them out there. So now let me ask how many people here feel like they just really just don't have the time to do something like that because they're overwhelmed with everything else that they're doing. Okay, more hands went up. Maybe like, I, I suspect that probably a few people didn't put their hands up. I mean, everybody feels like they don't have time, but I bet every single person that put their hand up has one extra hour every week that they could stop watching a Netflix episode Honestly, like, I don't mean to scold, but, like, that's how you find that hour, you know? That, and, and, okay, I'd rather go get a glass of wine and, you know, go watch the new weird maniac show or whatever the latest thing is. But you just take that hour and give it back to yourself, write down those things, and make your calendar, and then that's how you find time. Because people ask me all the time, how do you find time? That's how you do it. Okay, so along those... Sorry, Yvette, go ahead. Actually, I was just going to say there's, like really easy things you can do now even just sitting in the audience is like do you have your photo on your bio do you have a bio does it have your name does it have your phone number like those are all things that are so easy to do but you'd be surprised a lot of people don't even think about that it's like how are you going to get in touch with me how do you know where do you know where in the country are you I get approached all the time by people who want to do a, a partnership or a collaboration and I'm like well, where are they? What, I go to their feed, I go to their website, I don't know, I don't have a picture, I don't know where in the country they're located, I don't know what their focus is. It's, I, I only have enough time to vet every single one, and if you're not giving me that information up front, I have to move on. And so that's a missed opportunity for whoever was trying to reach out to us. That is such a good point. Okay, so in five years, going on six seasons of doing Convo by Design, I've got a little info for you. This, this may be relevant to your life, it may not, but here's something that you should know about your, your peers and your industry in general. You are currently using, to do the work that you need to do 
to sustain your business and drive your brand, you're using 110% of the amount of time that you've allocated for that. That means you are taking 10% of the time that you're working to do your job from something else. It's coming from family, it's coming from friends, it's coming from travel, it's coming from somewhere else. But on average, and by the way, is this scientific? Absolutely not. This is empirical data that comes from people that I've spoken to you know, in over hundreds of interviews. I always ask people, so what are you doing? How much time do you, do you spend? And we kind of drill down. You're, on average, you're spending 10% more than you've allocated to do your job. And the question then goes to time management, and I don't want to, to turn this into a whole conversation about time management, but what I think is, what is interesting is to Yvette's point, and Lori's to some degree, you know, maybe that one show we don't need to watch, but I would say it's even simpler than that. How much time do we spend just looking at feeds? just rolling through feeds, just looking at pictures. Oh, that's pretty, and just, it is a complete time suck. It is a complete time suck. It takes, it takes all of your time. Now, the flip side of that is, do, do I wanna, be, can I be hyper-focused all the time? Let me answer it for you, you can't, because you're creatives. You're creatives. Our right brains and our left brains don't always cooperate. We've got we've to be creative when we're inspired, and we've got to be productive when we need to. So this one goes to Nick because I think you're a primary stakeholder in the, in, the, in the marketing efforts and the brand direction of the companies that you work with, but they're not your companies. So you kind of have that separation from them. It's kind of a luxury, but I would imagine that it's also a little bit frustrating. How do you, in an era where people don't answer the phone, we don't respond to emails right away, to Yvette's point, we don't let ev everyone know where we're going. By the way, I think these are great tips that after we leave here, we can all look at what we have and say, you know what, here are five things I can fix right now that will make me more approachable and easy to locate and available, make myself available for someone to find. But that being said, how do you convey those messages about availability and brand messaging and deadlines to make sure that the brands you work with stay on point? It's um, a great question. Um, I wish I had the answer to it that was, that was that's resolved everything. Um, I, I mean, we, we tend to, again, like we, I, I feel both uh, envious of everyone here because you have the flexibility to do to a bit more flexibility than we have but also you know feel smug because we have you know people that, whose job it is to organize programmatically how we engage with our clients and keep us on on schedule um, so just to kind of crib from them a little bit I think like we what what we try to do is to almost like I'll, I'll try and take this like from the level I'm at to the level of an individual but like, what we tend to do is to when we first engage with the client is like workshop out the entire project with them before we do anything. So we're like, here's a workshop with 30 people in it that all have different interests. Here's um, what we need to achieve. Do we agree on that? Here's like, we'll, we'll do all sorts of exercises with post-it notes to sticky boards and everything else to just map the world as we see it out. And then we'll, and then we'll turn that into you know, something very, very tangible, and that, that we, where everyone is held to account. So by the time you leave that workshop on day two, you're like, okay, this is what we're doing. Um, so just to kind of land that a little bit more, I think, I think for individuals, having that very, vi like I think we all operate on, on, you know, on a, a two foot view right now, which is the laptop or the phone. 
And I think that that's, it's a very challenging interface to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis because you can only see one thing at a time. You can't, it's not an interface designed for holistic thinking. So I, I, would, I would say that the one thing that I've learned in my time of, of planning out projects and trying to organize my time and the t and time with my teams is to map that time uh, physically in, in a space that we can, you know, all the things I need to do, um, what the priorities are, what the value of each of those things are, and then, and, then, and then turn that into something tangible that maybe then can live in a laptop and a spreadsheet or wherever you keep it. But uh, there's a lot to be said for just like having a physical post-it note. Does that answer your question? I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going like super uh, high level. because uh, No, yeah. and, that's, and that's what I wanted because I want to go from that to, to Lori who, who employs artistically one of one of my favorite concepts and I, I want her to sort of explain how how she approaches it and that's the idea of no and when so, when someone asks you something you don't have to always say yes um, and with Lori Lori's told me no before and it always comes with a caveat no not right now no I don't really want to go in that direction. That doesn't really work. There's always, there's always a no but. You know what I mean? And I sort of want, your, want you to explain your philosophy on that. I will. And I want to say, Nick, I actually do that once a year with our team. And your team could be you and your, your child. It could be you and your best friend. It could be you and your favorite client. It could be you and your significant other. But we do do that exercise. And get stickies and just like, what are we about? What are we trying to accomplish? That's over here. That, and then just like meld that all down into our goals. Make sure we're on point. Make sure did our brand message change? All of that. So that is super real information that is so helpful. Um, and it feels like you're really doing something very important. So it feels good and it works. Try well, it. Lori, just on that point, <laughs> we actually at Lambs Plus did that earlier this year with our CEO as well. And we brought in everyone and we did a whole board of our brand and what we wanted to convey. And where we landed was really an eye-opener. We were like, we're the everyman lover company. <laughs> I love that. And everyone can afford stickies in some time, so you all can do that. So the question of no. I think no is one of the most powerful things, and that's like a whole other topic. Um, there's so many of us in here because we're in a service business, we're, we're pleaser oriented, we're, we just, we want to do the right thing and, um, and a lot of us especially, well like everyone wants to be successful and you want to capture as many dollars as you can and as much revenue, so you don't want to let things go, you don't want to let opportunities go, but I've just come to find in my, you know, 20 plus years in this business and my 49 years on this planet that um, when you shut one door, it's not the right door. Another one always opens. Another bus is always coming. And it's going to the place where you want to go. So don't be afraid to say no. When you feel overwhelmed, um, when you feel like something's off, they call it a gut reaction for a reason, say no and just wait for the next better thing to come. And if somebody says no to you, which sucks sometimes, remember that rejection is protection and it's the same thing in the other direction. Ooh, that all rhymes, I like that. Um, that, you know, that wasn't the right opportunity for that person, which in turn would maybe not be a good opportunity for you either. So no is great and no is, no is power. One of the, this might be helpful, one of the, one of the things that we, 
uh, we used to do a long time ago is um, is evaluate any any opportunity like really clearly through a few through three lenses, um, and they they change because. Um, I think they should really reflect what your purpose is. So, like, if you if you if you have a really strong purpose, then you should know the stuff you're saying yes to and the stuff you're saying no to. And the lenses we use were like fame, fortune, and fun. And and any anything we say yes to should, you know, be two of those those buckets at all times. If you're just doing stuff for fortune, then it's probably not working. If you're doing it for both, you know, fortune and fun, it's probably awesome. So. That's brilliant. Yeah. So two two of the two of the three. If it hits two of the three points. Then, then it's a preliminary go. Yeah, depending on what your, you know, if your purpose is those three things, then great, you know, the, you can do it. But um, it's just a really, you just land, landed everything in a really simple way because invariably a lot of the asks, we get really complicated and like it, it's hard to sometimes extract yourself from the weeds of like what the ask is, you know, whether it's a new design project or, uh, you know, whatever it might be. It's hard to sometimes like emotionally get to a, 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 a sort of you know, left brain, right brain balance. Um, and I think that, that model really helped us a long time ago when we, were, when we were evaluating inbound opportunities. Yvette, you had a thought? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, working on the brand side at Lambs Plus, I hear no a lot. I get a lot of no's. Um, even for West Edge, I've been wanting to have Lambs Plus be a sponsor and have a booth and have all this. But I get a lot of no's. But the the part that is fantastic is when you get a yes. And it just makes me so appreciative of those opportunities. And you know what, maybe those no's were not, a, were, it's not, wasn't a good fit for us at that time. And now we are here and we are taking advantage of the opportunity. One follow up to that, because I think you're the perfect person to ask this question. Because you have brand ambassador program, because you work with so many brand ambassadors, because you reach, the ones that you work with aren't necessarily just the ones that you contact. You vet people all the time. I wanna hear the good, the bad, and the ugly with regard to that. No, it's important because you know what? Designers, this is an, this is an opportunity that's open to you to be a brand ambassador for a company. Whether they reach out to you or maybe because you pick up the phone and reach out to them, what better to hear from, an, from someone who does this, what they're looking for, what their expectations are, and what they want. So our brand ambassador program was just launched this year. We work with five um, for the year. And as we mentioned, Lori is one of them. They are the ones who get full access to the company. They've come in. They've had the tour. They've met with our CEO. Um, we, we take them to meet media. So they're really an extension of the Lamps Plus family. Secondary or um, another program that we have is our influencer marketing program. And that's where I work with tons of interior designers, bloggers, influencers, just from across the country and Canada as well. And they're just looking for a partnership. They want content just like us. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we get requests all the time. And we're a very lean team. So when you approach a brand, you gotta do a little bit of your homework. You gotta tell us what the project is, what you can do, and how your timeline, your deadline, 
if we have to come back over and over to one person, we, we probably will pass. Because as you said, it's like a gut feeling. There's sometimes where on our team we're like, oh, I don't know if we should do it. Okay, let's try it. And it's always bad. It's just always we've got, you know, just a mess on our hands. So that's really important to trust that, that gut feeling. I mean, there are a lot of stories. I've been at Lambs Plus for six years, and we have worked with so many. It, uh, but for the most part, there's a very short list of people that we will not work with. Um, we, we, for the most part, want to work with, with everyone as much as we can, as much as we have bandwidth for and budget for. So we're, we're running out of time here, so we're going to wrap it up a little bit. But the one thing that I wanted to do before we go is, so West Edge every year falls in October. Then we've got Thanksgiving next month. Then we've got Christmas or your, your whatever, Hanukkah. We've got New Year's after that. We know that the industry is going gonna, is gonna to basically slow down, shut down through the holidays. What better time to actually focus on the brand development and the concepts that we've been talking about here? And I will tell you, I am, I am guilty of being like, hey, I got plenty of time. I'll get, to, I'll get to that later. And then I run out of time as well. I want to know, and I want to just sort of go, go around, whichever one of you can start first. How do you approach specifically brand development, not the personal side, but the brand development side, looking at 2019 or maybe even 2020 as well, looking at, is there a design house I want to be a part of? Is there a, is there, you know, a, a project of mine that I want coverage for? How am I going to approach that? How do you look from a brand development standpoint, from, a, from an execution standpoint, at a short-term, mid-term, and long-range timeline horizon? How do you approach that? Lori, I can start with you. Well, I mean, we're doing it all year. We're, we're checking back on what we made <clears throat> at the end of the year that we're hitting our points all year. So we're, we're always updating, we're always modifying, we're changing, we're malleable throughout the year. But our firm shuts down for two, and, and reviewing what opportunities worked, what didn't. The 3D partners, we had some 3D partners and a big thing we wanted to do, didn't pan out. Um, you know, and why? So you review all those things all year, but we shut down our firm for two weeks at the end of December, the last two weeks, it's just done. The phones are off, you can't, we're, we're not doing anything. No trades are working anyway. And that's the time when we um, go on our separate ways and really, I ask everybody to, you know, refresh, rejuvenate, do your own thing, be with your families, but to really start thinking about those things and we come back together and we do the, the powwow room where we put everything out and we know what's going to be go time for that year. Um, we do one not for two years out, but for about five years out. Um, where do we want to be in five years? I don't go past that because I've just noticed that I've done that so many times and things have to change so much that... Um, Innately, I kind of know that where I want to be long-term, but concrete, real goals um, for, for us work no more than five because we wind up changing a lot of things anyway. But yeah, uh, give yourself some time at the end of the year. It's the, it's the best time to reflect. And it, it shouldn't, I mean, I know a lot of people dread doing that. Like my husband, he runs all the construction and now he's getting really into media as well. And he just like, he thinks of it as like a, He's, he's since changed his thinking, but he thinks of it as a chore and a bummer. Like, oh, I got to do this instead of like something I want to do. And I said, this is the most empowering 
wonderful thing to give yourself this time when you don't have to think about other people you need to take care of and to decide what do you want to do and how do you want to do it? And I mean, if you guys own your own businesses and you're stewards of your own life, you're writing like really the script, you should never be in a situation for very long. I mean, I know for a few minutes you can cry and be upset, but you should never be in a situation where you're like, I hate this, this sucks, um, I don't want to do this because change it, you know, just like sit down and change it. And I think that that's great advice at the, at the end of the year when things slow down to, to look at that and to engage that. And if you're afraid, good, because being scared and getting into a weird place and doing something different means that you're succeeding and you're growing and you're going to do even better in the following year and just embrace it and look forward to it. And I think that you'll find that you really enjoy it. And even if you don't, you're at least benefiting from it. Yvette? I wish I could say we have this very sophisticating brand strategy session, but our planning starts now. We're planning we're for 2019 in October. Um, and it's very simple for us. We look at the calendar and we um, focus on all the events that are happening, where we want to be at, where we want to make a difference. Um, but before that, we, you know, we take a step back and we're like, who are the audiences we want to reach? So for us, we want to definitely reach consumers, right? Because we're a retailer. But we also want to reach designers, and we also want to reach media. And so we bring in our different partners. We have our PR agency that's great, that helps us brainstorm big ideas, big communication strategies. Um, we brainstorm with our social media. I mean, we were just brainstorming a few weeks ago, because there's like all these hashtag holidays, and now every day is like national this day, and national that day, and it's like, what do we gotta be part of that? And it's like, some we wanna be part of. We wanna be part of National Donut Day, right? Like, that's a fun holiday to be part of. So, we gotta scale it back because we all can also be at all these different events. So, again, just we, it's very simple for us. We look at the calendar, we see those audiences where we wanna be, we see the message that we wanna say to each of those, and then we just, what makes sense for us? Does it make sense for us to be there? And we'll, do, we'll, we'll pitch it. That's super reassuring to know that a brand that, you know, is the number one retailer for lighting in the country, which means that there's, like, you know, millions or billions of dollars of stuff going on there, is doing things exactly the same way that we're doing things. So, like, I just imitate people who are successful when I don't know what to do. So do that. <laughs> Nick, any, anything to add there? I mean, I mean, I think it's the same to further reassure Laurie. I think it's the same. <laughs> it's like, you know, for every agency in the world, every big company in the world, they'll be doing, like we do account planning at this time of year, uh, Q4. Um, and so we're looking to like, you know, map out like who our clients are, how they feel about us. Are they, you know, lukewarm? Are they, do they hate us? Do they love us? Who are those people? Um, where, are the, where are the budgets? You know, who, has, who can pay for us? Um, uh, what the opportunities are. Um, we'll also get into like, con you know, exactly, um, as Yvette said, like the, 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 the content planning. So the, how do we, like what are the, what are the cultural um, events going on? What are the local events going on? What are, th what are partnerships that we might um, engage with? All of those kind of things that we can map out like through the year. Um, and, and then kind of, I guess, lastly, which is maybe less relevant for here but but you know we'll we'll map out like what does that look like from a kind of staffing like who do we need to to enact that so it's it's the same thing it's just on a different you know slightly different kind of um scale yeah so 
you guys are operating on the same basic plane as Samsung, I think, because you're doing the exact same thing that everybody's doing. You're doing the right things. Um, and it starts with being here. By the way, um, so thank you. You guys, you, you have a choice with your time. Your time is very valuable. It's the most valuable thing you have that you can't make more of, and you chose to be here with us for a little while. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, thank you to Yvette from Lamps, Lamps Plus, with Nick Gawith from uh, Publicis Sapient, uh, and Lori Dennis from Lori Dennis Interiors, and for ASID for presenting this. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture. It's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendom pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendom products are simple and elegant contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendôme spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendôme mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendôme before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. Or online at Vondom.com.